Yeah. Yeah, I could I could reference Marvel movies there, but that would lose probably half of us here. Always Marvel movies with Jared. Every yes. time. Engage or not. Well, <laughs> we've talked a few times about how like there are Bible verses and there are things that like if people knew the context, it would kind of ruin it. Mm. Do you guys want one of those? Yeah. Please. All right. So let me just let's go back to Sunday school. You know, the flannel graph, or maybe, oh. maybe go to VeggieTales, oh, right? Was it um, VeggieTales? So, so let's, let's go to uh, let's go to the Christmas story. All right. Are you guys getting Uh-oh. nervous? Let's go to yeah. the Christmas story. There are moments when God speaks through messengers. What are those messengers? Angels. Yes. Were you ever an angel in a Christmas play? I was Mary. You're um, excuse me. Trigger warning for Esther. <laughs> I had to be the shepherd and all my friends got to be angels and I'm still not okay with it. Okay, I'm done. Esther, I have come to bring you good news of great joy. <gasps> because... Like Linus said, lights please. Yes. <laughs> now I just want to suck my thumb and hold the blind. But... If you look in the entire canon of scripture, now there are other writings that people will reference. There are zero references to angels with girl names. <gasps> Boo. Yep. Yep. So Gabriel, Michael, there are, there are some other angel names that are in other writings. But while we, we don't need to, I don't think it's, a useful argument to argue whether angels have gender at all. I was just going to um, go there, Jared. So there are no, me. there are no, there is zero evidence that any of the angels are girls. So in all the hip hop songs I grew up listening to and they angel of mine and different things they they, they can only be talking to boys. Jared, this isn't yeah, even a patriarchy episode. I know this is a bummer. <laughs> I don't like this at all. Gosh, this is just like I don't. Sorry. I'm not a fan. Ruined our favorite Bible verse mm. or story. <laughs> Man, the story yeah. our whole faith is wrapped around. If you could see no. our faces, a little baby in the manger. <laughs> what a note to start our day on. Hey guys, this is Beth, and welcome to the People Who See podcast. We ask questions often avoided, and we listen to stories often unheard. We believe great stories and great questions allow us to see our world differently. Thank you for joining the conversation. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the People Who See podcast, everybody. I can't believe you're still listening. (laughs) Thanks, Mom. Thanks. So this is part two of our two-part episode about the Bible and how important it is in making our decisions. And our fearless leader for this episode is the one and only Jared Bell. So he's going to... Wow. <laughs> yeah, <he's full> here. <laughs> it was supposed to be a cheer. Like, a very, oh, like, John, a very, 
Like, who's in the spirit of Satan in the microphone as well? Oh, man. Ah! It was a cheer. It was a cheer. It sounded like Yeah, I thought it was more like a a football stadium rumble. How's that? Better? Both are terrifying. (laughs) Maybe maybe more of a a golf clap. Thank you for your contribution, Beth. Should I just talk? I'll just yeah. talk. Yeah. Yeah. Just take we, it. We had a really good time uh, talking about the Bible's role in decision making. And really, we, we talked about different terms. And one of them was truth. And we talked about how truth is something we're all seeking. And that the fallacy is to think that we just use one lens or one filter in order to seek out truth. And... We just talked about how, like, there are people that elevate the Bible way above anything else. And there are people that will, like, elevate reason way above anything else or elevate something else. And depending on the tribe, I think from your guys' stories, there are certain tribes that we can be a part of growing up and different uh, environments that we can grow up in where you almost are shamed if you don't elevate one of the areas or one of the filters above all the other ones. So um, I think I think we talked about in the evangelical tribe, like Beth, I think last time you were talking and it was like, you were talking about the importance of like reason and experience. And you're like, oh, but I still read the Bible. And we're like, <laughs> yeah, because we're trained in certain tribes that, but don't go too far with any other way of like seeking out truth, right? Yeah. Dare I say the word science, right? Dare I say. <laughs> slippery slope, Jared. It's a slippery slope. Ah, dun, dun. slippery slope. <laughs> oh, no. You brought that in early. We always episode. have to fear the slippery slope. I mean, <laughs> yes. we're sliding right on down. Yes, it's like the slippery slope just moves like it chases. But <laughs> but I brought up the story of Andy Stanley. And uh, several years ago, five, six years ago, he did a sermon and had the audacity to, to say, maybe, just maybe, the saying that he was raised upon, if the, the Bible said it, says it and that settles it, he said, maybe, just maybe, the Bible saying doesn't settle it every time. He's not saying ditch the Bible, but he got persecuted. And, you know, we kind of went over that. So, Jared, I have a question for you. How, because that that phrase about the Bible saying it doesn't always settle it is, it still gives me like this visceral reaction. Like, even though I have sort of expanded my view of scripture and truth and how we learn and how we know that narrative is clearly still so present and it like pings this fear in me and I know it pings fear in the people that I might say that to. So like I guess my super practical question is how do you approach that? How do you deal deal with that internally and how do you approach that with people that you're having conversations with if you know that it's like pinging fear in them? Yeah, that's a great question. And I might need you to unpack that a little more. Uh, And that's probably the response I would have in anyone I'm talking to is 
like we we talk about here, just hearing the story and not mm. just the fear, right? Like, mm-hmm. with, let's go to the other layer. I can make assumptions based upon, um, I know you pretty well, a bit of your story, <laughs> your background, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, hearing hearing the story and saying, would you mind unpacking that, creating a safe space for them to share um, maybe a background that um, they've done actual research, right? And came to a place where uh, where where they they elevate the Bible to a certain place that they believe it needs to be. And I I'll be I'll be real like I'm leading this discussion, but I have the Bible elevated pretty high. So you would just try to understand the why behind it, like understand what is it in their story that causes them to react in that way is that what you're saying yeah and if 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 we got past the story part i would just ask questions like so like do you look to the bible to decide what you're gonna have for dinner do you look to the bible to decide who um you're gonna spend time with right And, and and as you get into these like you could say more like life altering things you have to ask the question of like why is it that there are certain things that we go, well, the Bible, I'm, I'm going to let that just be the trump card here for this decision. But there's other decisions where, like, I don't even need to have a verse. I don't even need to have it, right? Um, yeah. I think, I think that the Bible needs to have a role in our lives that we give it the authority that it's due, but also that there, there just has to be a faith connected to it or it's just a textbook. It's like reading a 1950s science uh, book. <laughs> you know what I mean? That that it's like, well, these are words, and I'm told I'm supposed to, but unless I know the context or anything like that, I won't know, oh, actually, some of this is outdated, and there's different things here that I need to process differently. I was talking about the science textbook. Sorry if I triggered people there. <laughs> I would love to talk about so i was reading a book recently no one is surprised by this (laughs) (laughs) and i came across something that felt like a very natural sort of um mirror image of the wesleyan quadrilateral which just to remind everyone yeah that's sort of what we um referenced in the last episode which is it was john wesley yes jared um yay um so john wesley essentially argued that there are four legs of a stool that you need to stand on when it comes to sort of learning truth learning god's truth um whatever you want to say um but that you need reason tradition, scripture, and experience. Like it needs to be filtered through all of these lenses in order to have like a full picture of what you're learning and to determine whether or not it's like an accurate, reasonable, truthful thing. Mm-hmm. Is that a fair summary? Yes. Great. Um, so when I was reading, I was reading this book called The Holy Longing by Ronald Rollheiser. And he mm-hmm. argues that 
there are four non-negotiable pillars of the spiritual life. So obviously when I'm reading that, I go, oh my gosh, four pillars, four things that you need to hold in balance. That sounds exactly like the quadrilateral. I can't say the mm. word quadrilateral. Wow. Yeah. Um, so he argues that there are four things that like Jesus prescribed in his life on earth that every Christian in order to look like Jesus needs to have some element of in their lives. So um, he says that those are private prayer and private morality, social justice, what he calls mellowness of heart and spirit, which from reading the chapter essentially means as I'm understanding it, doing the right thing for the right reason so that like you don't have this very moral life and then at the end of it you look like the older brother from the story of the prodigal mm. son. Mm. Um, and then the last pillar would be community as a constitutive, I think I'm saying that right, element of true worship. So he then goes on to basically argue that any like – if you neglect any one of these, you end up with a spirituality that is inherently out of balance. Hmm. And so you may be doing three of them really well, but because you're neglecting one leg of the stool, so to speak, you are, I don't want to say wrong, but just like out of balance. So yeah. I guess all of this to say I want to kind of talk about this idea of a balanced spirituality, a balanced way of knowing truth. Like how – like what are the areas that we see that things can be like fundamentally out of balance? How can we move towards a more balanced understanding of our faith? Like what do you guys think about that? Some th practices that I've begun to implement – because I think what we're talking about is kind of like this idea of like – holistic, like our faith being holistic. I believe what we're talking about, I want to circle back to something that happens in spiritual direction. Um, Esther and I are both in the spiritual direction cohort, y'all. So <laughs> you're welcome. <Yay. laughs> no one thanked us, but it's fine. You're being um, spiritually directed and you don't <laughs> even know it. <laughs> ha, ha, gotcha. of me. Thank you. In our first year, there's a lot of learning. And the book that Esther read, um, it's a beautiful book. And other books that we've read are really elevating spiritual disciplines. Um, so spiritual disciplines are just something in your faith walk that help you to hear from God in a new way. And that can be, oh, it can be meditation. It can be fasting. It can be worship. It can be like a silent retreat. There's all these different kind of markers of what a spiritual discipline mm -hmm. is. And I don't know, Esther, how many? There's so many. I feel like almost what I love about spiritual disciplines is that almost anything can be mm. a spiritual discipline mm -hmm. if you are practicing it with intention and opening yourself up to God. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So I think that's a great definition. Yeah. I'm specifically thinking back to this book that I read in seminary. It has these kind of like examples of what's and we'll link to it in the show notes. I don't know the name of it right now. But what I'm trying to get at is we are naturally going to find things with spiritual disciplines that make our heart like pitter patter and come alive. Usually for me, I'm going to be found alone quietly in a room 
on a guitar crying. So like, usually my MO is going to be worship and sitting quietly with a guitar crying. I think now- I found that particular spiritual discipline in Adele Alberg Calhoun's Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. It was sitting quietly with a guitar crying. <laughs> it's on page 120. I would like to jump in and say that, as Esther said, almost anything can be a spiritual discipline if it's focused towards a healthy walk with with your savior totally. with your with your maker i would say anything could not be also not be yeah like my thrift store shopping addiction yeah well <laughs> it's not this i was just not. gonna say if we're focused on ourselves mm-hmm. or which we're focused, I'm focused on, on making boxes money. <laughs> yeah yeah but it's I mean, totally even- true that like the discipline itself is not what is transformative Like you can practice centering prayer for an hour a day, every day of your life and still not be transformed if you Mm -hmm. don't have the correct attitude. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're saying, Jared? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And Beth, I think you bring up a great point, though, that like we so desire in life, especially if you're if you say my life, I'm seeking truth or. Um, if there's people that are like, I want to be a good Christian or however, you know, to use that, that terminology in quotes, right? There's this idea of like, well, tell me what I got to do. And Mm -hmm. when we talk about the Wesleyan quadrilateral and the four pillars, um, right, it can feel like this checklist. And I think Mm -hmm. that Beth, you bring up a great point that there's always going to be, no matter who we are, there's going to be one that we're like, well, that's not really that important, right? <laughs> and that's where tribalism comes in. Because if I can find a tribe that likes the things that I like and doesn't really give me crap about not liking the things I don't like, mm. then like, I can just call that truth. So to go back to what you were saying, Beth, is it our spiritual discipline something that we can stretch ourselves with so right as i'm saying i'm the one quant it's natural for me to be on a guitar sobbing quietly but um (laughs) it is not natural for me to go on like a day silent retreat and commune with nature Hmm. and so within this um experience within my spiritual direction cohort and also other classes i've taken with the seminary There have been places that I have been forced and how important it is to challenge myself in the places that are not natural for me to gravitate towards to on my own. Mm -hmm. And I have seen such beauty in those times that I've leaned into the uncomfortable, being uncomfortable Mm -hmm. in those spaces and have actually had some really beautiful and life-changing experiences when I've decided to fast, you know, like something that I don't naturally do. So there's like kind of in these buckets of like, I remember sitting down, just kind of making a list of like, these are the things are that are not more natural for me. And these are the things that are really challenging for me. Mm -hmm. And within the class, it's this, I mean, they don't force you to, but they're really encouraging you to lean into the ones that you would view as more uncomfortable because it's going to stretch you. It's going to grow you. It's going to grow your capacity. And you actually might find that you like it just as much as the ones that you've never tried or that you, you know, naturally just love. Yeah. I think what I'm hearing is like this element of in order to move towards a more balanced 
anything, a more balanced understanding of truth, a more balanced spirituality, there's going to be sort of this like edge of discomfort that you have to get over, mm-hmm. right? Like you're going to have mm-hmm. to explore other ways of knowing other elements of spirituality that don't necessarily come as naturally to you that maybe bring up that fear that we talked about earlier that maybe like weren't the way you were raised and so you feel really out of your element but like pushing past that initial lip of discomfort is kind of like everything beautiful and balanced and rich is kind of like just on the other side of that Mm -hmm. right like Mm -hmm. you just have to like and I'm not saying if something (laughs) makes you terrified and it seems wrong like just (laughs) go ahead and push through that that is not what I'm (laughs) saying I'm just saying maybe the life you want and the spirituality you want and all of these good beautiful things are just on the other side of what you're afraid of and maybe it's worthwhile to explore that. One of the ways that I feel like I was kind of taught a little bit when I first came to faith and even before that in like like different circles of people that had faith was this idea of, well, there's like one, there's like one kind of like, I hate to use words that also are in the English version of the Bible that I'm not quoting scripture. You know, there's one way on this. There's one thing on this and everything else you just got to, you just got to stay away from. And what ends up happening is all of a sudden, like things that are not bad, it's like another good Mm -hmm. is scary or seen as evil. Right. You could, for the Christians out there, for, for church attending Christians, think of it this way. There are people out there that that do not want to go to your church, but it's not because of your church and it's not because of you. It's because of another church, right? And you're trying to say, but but we're not we're not that church, right? But mm-hmm. they're they're only seeing it in one way. I think that we can do that too. That we can look at like spiritual practices. Mm-hmm. We can look at the way of seeking out truth and think well, if something's not what I've been taught, if something is uncomfortable for me, as you used, then it must be the, are you ready for it? The enemy. Oh, no. It must be the enemy, right? And we could, we could throw all kinds of stuff out there that we could, we could talk beautifully about our charismatic friends and we could talk ugly about some ways that that's been used for manipulation and things that were not of God right? Under Mm -hmm. that same umbrella. We could talk about how those who are great thinkers and use reason great um, have just thrown out like any role that the Bible or God has in their life, right? Mm -hmm. And we can talk about friends of ours that have taken tradition and have said, we're just going to go completely by tradition of what has happened and this is the way, right? This is the way Mandalorian, yeah. right? <laughs> which, which is actually in that series, like basically looked at uh, upon that you've got these different tribes of Mandalorian and all of a sudden he has to question his beliefs and go, oh, well, maybe I'm not the only way, right? Yeah. Can I just share a way that I, I had this like uh, 
this aha moment. Even like yesterday as I was thinking about this episode. So you guys know I'm getting off of writing my very long paper, my dissertation Woo. for my doctoral program. Go, Dr. Beth. <laughs> Woo. Dang. But okay, so in this, I was thinking about this is that when you're writing this ginormous paper, you have to take into account all these different lenses, right? Like your historical mm. lens, your theological lens, your biblical lens, your cultural mm-hmm. lens, your sociological lens, like your ministry lens. And you cannot just focus on this one piece and write this 120-page paper around the cultural lens of whatever you're studying. You have to holistically look into all these different pieces, and they're all vital and crucial and necessary in order to highlight what you're writing about and why it's important and why it's needed. And so I was just thinking about that in relation to this, how crucial it is that we do use all of these pieces because we need all of them to come together to help us have an under better understanding of our faith. Yeah. I think that is the perfect ending to this episode. Oh, wow. You're so smart, Dr. Beth. Oh, wow. Thank you. Oh, wow. <laughs> we need all of the lenses. And we need to be willing to look through different lenses if we're going to have a more holistic and a more balanced view of truth and faith. So with that, thank you so much for listening. Do you have or know of a story that needs to be heard? Keep the conversation going by following us on Instagram and sharing this conversation with someone else who needs to be a part of it. Or if you're like Beth and social media isn't your thing, you can also email us at peoplewhosee at gmail.com. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss a conversation. And if you loved an episode, rate, review, and share. Your support ensures that more stories are being heard and more questions are being asked.